my life completely changed. God lifted all of the sadness away from me um, and he just breathed new life into me. And I became completely free. God completely changed my life. And it was almost like God had not just given me a life, but he'd given me a hope, he'd given me everything that was lacking. I am thankful for that love and just that moment that where it all just made sense and I now have that joy that Farrell can really take away. God washed my sins away and gave me a new life. I've become a happier person, more peaceful, joyful as well. And I feel so much more free. I feel like I have a purpose. I can't kind of explain how, how it is, but it's, I'm, I'm just, the lives have totally transformed and um, it's been amazing. Thank you and welcome to part four of this series on the power of God's love. I don't know about you, but I never get tired of hearing and seeing about people's lives being transformed. As I was uh, preparing for this message, I had a fresh sense of the wonder and the beauty and the magnificence of Jesus transforming just one person's life. And what we saw there on the VT is just a tiny snapshot of thousands of people's lives who've been transformed across our different centers um, over many, many years. But the good news, he's still doing it. Uh, last Sunday in Kingsgate, Peterborough, we had 18 people respond to the message in the morning, seven of them for the very first time. Come on, let's give God praise. We hear regularly of people coming to Christ in Cambridge and in Leicester. And then just recently, we baptized the first person in Kingsgate, London. Isn't that great? So... That's the business we're in. We're in the Jesus business. We want to see more lives transformed by the power of his love. But I'm sure we'd all agree that this is just the beginning. There's a whole world out there that needs the love of God. And so I want to talk today on the subject of God's love going viral. Can we say that together wherever we're gathered? God's love going viral. I want to do so against the backdrop of what God has been saying to us through prophecy over many, many months now. First, we had Pastor Agu, then we had Chris Hodges, and then more recently, we've had Phil Pringle, seasoned apostolic and prophetic ministries who've come in and basically they've said the same thing, and it's a word to us at Kingsgate, get ready, says God, I'm about to increase the pace and many more people are about to come to Christ. You ready for that? And so I want just very briefly to play out a clip that of Phil's word to us, the second service in Peterborough last Sunday. Please watch this and let's rejoice together. I'm so excited about this church. I'm so excited about you and uh, all that's coming in your future. As I was sitting there in the seat, I could literally feel 
every seat in this building filled. I could hear the sound of thousands and thousands of people who are going to be coming in to this church. I could see salvations by their hundreds. And I believe that you are going to have a revival of unprecedented proportions, not only here, but in all of your locations. And I believe that you will not just have these four locations, but you will have one after another. In fact, I can easily see 12 locations all over England, and you're going to have great outposts of the glory of God. Some of you that are sitting here today are going to be leaders in those congregations, and you're going to find yourself bringing the gospel and the power of God. All I would say to you is get ready, get ready, get ready, because God is going to move in this church in Kingsgate by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's going to raise your pastor's voice higher and higher until he is speaking in government and he's speaking in circles of power and influence and the wealthiest in the land will find their way into groups that will come together and worship God in the house of the Lord. It is another day when God is going to visit the island of the United Kingdom and bring great glory to bear upon every level of society, the poor, the rich, the powerful, the impoverished, the refugees, the people who have been disenfranchised and marginalized. God is about to move upon this nation upon England and your church will be part of that great revival that is coming upon this nation in Jesus name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a great clap offering. Let's magnify him. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? How many are up for thousands coming, hundreds being saved, outposts of the glory of God all across the nation and us playing our part in an unprecedented move of God. Why don't we thank God for what he said to us, what he's declaring over us in all our locations. Father, we thank you. We agree with the word in Jesus' name. So here we have prophecy about revival. You get the picture. Prophecy about acceleration. Question is, how's it going to happen? Well, one way, of course, it could happen because God's sovereign is just God does it without us doing anything. And because he's God, he could do that. I don't know if you're aware right now, but all across the world, in parts where the church is either not present or there's lots of persecution, Jesus is sovereignly revealing himself to men and women, appearing to himself, making himself known to people without any human witness. Isn't that fantastic? But God's normal way of bringing revival. And I've studied, obviously, the Bible for many years, but I'm also a student of church history. I've studied church history. God's normal way of bringing revival and of those kind of prophecies we just heard about being fulfilled is it's a partnership. Say partnership. In other words, God sovereignly does his part. He, there's a quickening. There's an acceleration. Something begins to change in the spiritual atmosphere. But also, God's looking for partners who are going to respond to his call to fast and to pray and to seek him and then to partner with his spirit and go and tell others. That's God's normal way, a partnership. And what we're seeing today as we conclude this series is we've got a wonderful picture in John's Gospel chapter 4 of, you could say, one of the earliest revivals that we know of in Jesus' ministry. Jesus has already had fruitful ministry in um, the Jewish part of the nation, he's begun to gather his disciples, 
But how do you know that God's love is so great and so mighty that God's love won't be contained within one national group or one people group or one community? God's love is for everybody. And so here we see this wonderful passage in John chapter 4 of Jesus now no longer content to minister to one people group, moved by the love of God, motivated by the Spirit of God. He makes a journey into a despised people group. The Jews despise this group and to an unreached territory known as Samaria, where there's a group of people known as the Samaritans. He goes there, and for those of you who've been tracking with the story, you'll know that. He goes and he starts by reaching one woman. Now, I think this is interesting. In other parts of the Gospels, Jesus will sometimes go to a town or a village and he will reach multitudes. But in this story, Jesus doesn't first go to that town, he goes to one person. Now think about your town, think about your neighborhood, your network, think about the cities we represent. Can I say that I believe one of the ways that Jesus wants to reach the people around us, he wants to reach the ones and through the ones reach the many. Say one to many. That's what we see in this story. He comes to this one, why? Because one person really matters to God. And he comes to this woman, in one sense, a completely unlikely partner. She's a woman in a male-dominated society. She's got a horrendous kind of background. She's a Samaritan. She's, if you like, from the wrong group. And yet Jesus comes to this woman. He first offers her living water, Then he reveals to her her need of his love and his grace and of her need to repent of her idols. And he brings her into an encounter with himself. Notice her response to his encounter. And I believe this is so instructive. What's the first thing she did when she had had an encounter with God's love? Let's read from verse 28 of John 4. It says, Then, leaving her water jar... The woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Pick up the story in verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Here is a revival. We've had prophecy of revival. This is going on. And it comes. Jesus reaches this one woman, and what she does, she becomes a carrier of the message. Just imagine with me if every single one of us who've had a touch of the love of God become carriers of the message, what God could do. Think of exciting? It's going to be powerful. But notice she does two things. Two things that I think sometimes we can separate but actually we need to make sure a join together. First, she shares her story, what God has done for her, and then she makes an invitation. She almost does it in the same breath. Come, she says, and see a man who told me everything 
I've ever done. I don't know whether you were into chemistry. It was one of the first subjects I gave up at school. All I remember is those boring periodic tables. Uh, but the, the, obviously, chemistry is a pretty important subject. And it tells us things about the way the universe works. I don't know if you know that in order to make something as precious and life-giving as water, we need two things. Do you know what they are? Hydrogen and oxygen in the right proportion. These two gases brought together make water. And I want to suggest to you today that we need to hold together the sharing of our story and then inviting others to come and experience themselves. And as we hold those two things together, led by the Spirit, under the anointing of God, we could see a move of God like she saw. Amen? So let's look at these two things, but hold them in your mind together. The first thing we need to do, and first thing I want to encourage you to do, is share your story. Share your story. Do you know, it's natural to enthusiastically tell others good news. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, David and Heather, pastors in, in the church, were eagerly waiting that for their second grandchild. And they were letting us know about this, and we were excited with them. But like sometimes happened with these little ones, obviously this little grandchild was pretty comfy and wasn't kind of coming out in time and so we were waiting and we were praying for them and then suddenly one day I got the text it was Heather and I read the text and I went to Karen and I said great news the baby's been born mother and baby are healthy and she said is it a boy or a girl I said I don't know <laughs> I mean some of the details that people need these days is it a boy or a girl? Anyway, I checked back on the, on the text, and sure enough, it's a boy. I went back, I said, it's a boy. And then a few hours later, I had another, not quite identical message from David, basically telling the same thing. I'm like, I get the message, I get the message. I think we need to have a word with Dave and Heather at marriage counseling to communicate with one another. But no, seriously, the point is, they were fantastically infused with the news. And we were thrilled for them. Why? Can I say it's natural to share good news? Yeah? Nothing weird about it. Nothing forced about it. Nothing pressured about it. We weren't offended about it. We were just rejoicing with them. And what I love about this story of this woman is she very naturally went and told the people in her community what had just happened to her. And I want to say to every single person who is a Christ follower listening to me or watching today, you have an incredible gift, your story. And if you don't yet know Christ, my prayer even today that you will have an encounter with the love of God that will transform you too. That's all she had. She had a story. She didn't have a theology degree. She just met Jesus. Can I say she didn't have all the arguments in fact, she's still trying to work it out herself. Notice when she goes back, she didn't say, I've worked it all out. She said, could this be the Messiah? So don't wait until you've got everything sussed. Think, well, oh, I haven't, I, what, what if I can't answer everyone's questions? Just start by going and sharing what God has done for you. Can I say we live in a culture where, generally speaking, people are interested in stories. The other thing about your story, they can't really argue. They can't say, well, no, it never happened. You say, yes, it did. It happened to me. Yes, that's right. There's power in the story. So 
there's something very authentic. There's something very natural. There's also something very enthusiastic about it. I don't think she went and said, oh, had an encounter with this bloke Jesus. Check it out. She said, come and... Well, she might not have screamed, but... She's full of enthusiasm. It's real for her. She's not putting it on. It's genuine enthusiasm is infectious, yeah? And that is what is going here. There's also something quite immediate. Back to the story. The whole story was about her going to a well with her water jar, getting water that would have been completely essential in those days. Notice what she does. No sooner she's encountered Jesus that John includes the detail that she left her water jar to go back to the town. There's something immediate. There's something compelling. And also, can I suggest there was something very courageous and bold for her to go back to a town that she may well have been socially shunned by and say, hey, I've met a guy who read my mail. He knows all about my past. And of course, a number of them knew, all, knew only too well about her past. There's something risky, there's something courageous, but there's something very authentic, very winsome. And look at the result of her story. It says, many, say many. Many, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. There's many things I'd like to be written over my life at the end of my life, but I'd love this to be written over my life. Many people believed in Jesus because of his story. You have a story. This is a leveler. This is, this is not for super preachers. She's an unlikely candidate to start a revival. But God uses her story, her enthusiasm, her authenticity that many begin to put their faith in Christ. Can I say the great news? If you are a follower of Christ today, you have a story. It's going to be different to my story. It's going to be different to her story. But if it's, if it's a real experience of God's love, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's precious. It's a gift. It's the, in one sense, it's the most important thing in your life, what God has done for you. And to share it with others is not being pushy. It's just being honest with them. Say, if you want to know me, this is me. And if you're a new Christian, don't wait until you've got it all sorted. Like this woman, just authentically, just tell people. Tell people. If like me, you've been a Christian for many, many years, you've been on the journey of faith. Can I say, let's not be put off by the fact that our actual conversion experience, if we can remember that as a turning point, and I appreciate some people just have a great testimony of at some stage they became a Christian and they've been on track. But if, like me, it was a point in time many years ago, can I say it doesn't make any less real? In one sense, I think the fact that my testimony has now happened 33 years ago, in one sense, I think it's more solid and real. I remember when I first became a Christian, one of my well-meaning family members, I think concerned for me, says, don't worry, it'll wear off. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> no, no, no. Because when you know that Jesus is not just, becoming a Christian not just a past event, it's a living reality. That's what we're looking at in this whole transformed life thing. You know, we're changed and we're ongoing being changed. 
He's as real to me, his presence is real to me today as it was 33 years ago. My testimony is alive. Being with Jesus is a daily relationship. I'm not introducing someone just to a past savior. I'm introducing him to a living, loving friend. There's power in our testimony. That's the first key to God's love going viral. Let's all of us be front foot, yes, sensitive to the spirit and the context and the person, but let's be front foot ready to share our story. That's the first thing. But if we want to see something kind of happening like was going on in John 4, it's not enough just to share the story because the woman didn't just share her story and leave them with it. It's good to share the story, but if, if you just say, this is what God's done for me, period. I've, I've had people say, that, say this to me. Well, that's nice. I'm really pleased for you. Is that right? So we need to share the story. We need to go a bit further. Because the purpose of our story is not, he's not just my savior. As we see in that passage, he's the savior of the world. And so if I really love somebody, if I'm really motivated by God's love, I want to share my story, but I want to give them the opportunity to come and see for themselves. Yeah? That's what she does. Almost wrapped up in that same phrase. Come and see a man. Don't remember, but this time last year we did a whole thing on, on come and see. When you've really experienced someone or something, in this case, she had had an experience with the most amazing person she'd ever met. What was it about Jesus that was so different? Well, part of it was he, he literally read her mail. He was like, this is, this is what's happened to you. This is how many relationships, and now you're not living. The person you're living with is not your husband. She was amazed at that. But I think one of the reasons she was so amazed and she wanted to tell everyone else was not just because Jesus knew about her. He knew who she was. And yet rather than rejecting her, he accepted her and he started drawing into a relationship with himself. Do you know there's something wonderfully unique about Jesus? He knows you. Can I say, don't fake it with Jesus. He knows you anyway. But in his grace, and because he was later on, sometime in the next two, three years, to go to the cross, it means that this same Jesus who knows us in our shame, knows us in our brokenness, draws us to himself anyway. Isn't it wonderful to be known and still loved? I think there was something overwhelming about this woman. So, firstly, she shared her story. But secondly, like her, we have to go on and give an invitation. Can we say that together? Share your story, story. and give an invitation. That's what she does. She gives an invitation. And as a result of her saying, come and see, the Samaritans begin to come out. They meet with Jesus. They urge him to stay with them. And then we read in this marvelous unfolding revival, and because of his words, Jesus' words now, Many more, say many more. Many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. 
and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. You know, there's something about personally encountering the love of God. Isn't it great to hear about other people's story? It's great to share with others our story, but we want ultimately to help other people come to experience Jesus for themselves. To experience him in word, just as he was speaking here, Jesus is still speaking. He's speaking through the Bible. He speaks through people preaching. He speaks through Alpha courses. He speaks through Sunday messages. He, but he also reveals himself in and through the presence of his people. Many of you know, and the reason I'm so passionate about giving an invitation, I'm here today, humanly speaking, because about 34 years ago, somebody gave me an invitation to come to church. And for me, it wasn't actually even the message. I couldn't tell you what they preached on. So if you're thinking, what's he going on about? I sympathize. But it was the presence of God in that meeting that for the first time in my life, I thought, he's not just real for these Christians. He's real for me. And he's knocking on the door of my life. And he wants me to come into a relationship with him. And don't we owe people the opportunity to give them an invitation to come and see. And you can do that. You don't have to wait to bring people to church or to Alpha. You can do so right where you are. But there's something, I believe, about inviting people to come to the Savior that will not only change their lives for now, but it will change their lives for all eternity. There's something about making an invitation. And throughout the, our history, we've seen many, many people's lives change because somebody else gave an invitation. One of my favorite recent stories is of a, a, a lady called Lisa. Um, some of you have seen bits of her story before, but it's really powerful, and I've got an update after we watch her story. So please watch this. I can remember the first time that Lisa walked into the food bank as a broken lady, really desperate and needing so much help. And I'm really thankful to the Lord that he prompted me to walk with her. Hello, my name's Lisa. Uh, just over two and a half years ago, um, I was in a very, very bad relationship where there was domestic violence. Um, I was drinking a lot, uh, taking drugs. I got the courage to get out of the domestic relationship and um, I was in a lot of debt at the time and I went to see a counsellor which then uh, gave me food bank vouchers where I would go and collect food and I met this lady there and we used to talk and cry and I used to talk and cry. We met for coffee several times and we talked about her situation and I started to tell her about how much God loved her until eventually she agreed to come to church. One Sunday I woke up and I thought, yeah, I'm gonna go today. So I rang her up and I said, yes, come on, let's go. And I remember walking up to the gates and thinking, I don't know if I can do this, I was so scared and the anxiety, out of breath, all sorts of feelings that were going through my mind. So we sat there and I started listening to the pastor and I couldn't believe 
it was almost as though he knew everything that was going on in my mind and my heart and my body. And I just sobbed. I was just crying my heart out because I knew I'd made a connection. Somebody knew what I was going through. So um, I came to church from then on after, and then a friend said, did I want to join the Alpha course? And I said, yes. And after about three or four times coming, I realized that God was telling me um, things about my life that were going to change and that I should have faith, which I did. And I think about on the fourth time, I actually did give my life to God. And um, it's helped me so much for changes in my life. It's hard for me to try to explain to you, but all I can say is that the relationship that I've got with the Lord now, it just makes me stronger and stronger each day. The Lisa I know today, you wouldn't recognize as the Lisa that first walked through those food bank doors. I'm just so glad that my friends have never given up on me and they have persevered for me. And most of all, I am glad that God is in my life because he has changed my life forever. Wonderful current story of God changing someone's life. And of course, there's two people involved in this story. There's Jenny, a mature disciple, reaching out to this one person that initially she didn't know. And as, as is obvious, she reached out in the way that this woman's need was first for food. It was a practical need. She was serving her with the love of God in a very practical way. Unconditionally, she was just giving to her. She was befriending her. And then, of course, she made the invitation. And as a result of that invitation, Lisa's life has been changed. But the good news is the story doesn't end there. Um, uh, Lisa's emailed in a bit of the sort of the follow-up to that story, and so I just want to read this. These are her own words. I used to be so full of pain and suffering, but since being invited to church, it's all been lifted off of me by God's love shown to me through Jesus. My sin has been forgiven, and I've been made free. As people have seen the change that God's love has made in me, how happy I am, Conversation naturally now flows about him. Now I can't not invite people. They see the difference in me and ask questions, and they're open to come and see for themselves. I've got people signed up for the Alpha Meal and the Alpha Course because I've just told them about the difference Jesus has made in my life, and they can see that I've been totally transformed. I'm not ashamed. I'll just tell everybody about what Jesus has done for me. They might not be interested, but even if they don't come to church, they're still asking me questions. People can't deny the change in my life. It's a miracle. I'll have conversations with people anywhere and everywhere. I've just got to help others, strangers, and friends alike. She concludes, before I was invited along, I didn't care if I lived or died. But now I live my life with God at the center and the overflow of that is to help and support others to invite them in to know God too. Amen. Kind of summarizes the message. It's a beautiful picture, a modern 21st century picture of something of what we see going on in John chapter 4. One person being reached and as a result, many beginning to be touched. I love it. Now as we conclude... 
Imagine with me if every single one of us, some of us God's calling to go and reach the one, others you know behind you, there's the, the many. But imagine if all of us, both in word and deed, began to spread the love of God. Do you think it could begin to go viral? Do you think we could begin to be, play our part to see the fulfillment of the prophecies? I believe absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. And, you know, we can't determine people's response. You say, well, I've invited people before, and they've said, no, join the club. I have many times. But I refuse to let disappointment stop me from sharing the love of God because people matter to God whether they know it or not. You see, this Jesus we're talking about is not just, well, nice for you. He's not just my Savior. What do the Samaritans come to the revelation? He is the Savior of the world. At the time that John was writing, many people claim different saviors. Some people worship Greek gods, said, that God, Zeus, he's the savior of the world. He's not. Some people claim the Roman emperor was the savior of the world. He's not. The Samaritans were looking for their own savior. And yet, amazingly, at the end of this story, we have these Samaritans realizing this Jewish Messiah, Jesus, is more than just the savior of one people. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the savior of the whole world. Jew, Gentile, Brit, Scot, Filipino, African. Amen. He's the savior of the whole world. It means there's not going to be a person you and I are ever going to meet who don't need Jesus like we do. And so we can be bold. We can be confident. We're loving them by sharing our story and inviting them to come and see for themselves. And if we do, and as we do, something of Phil's challenge to us between now and the end of this year and into next year and, of course, beyond, imagine what could happen Imagine who might be sitting next to you, coming, they've heard your story, but they'll be able to say, I've experienced for myself. I've heard the words of Jesus myself, and I believe he's not just your savior, he's my savior, he's the savior of the world. Amen, let's pray. Father, I wanna thank you so much that you have transformed and are transforming our lives. I pray now, Father, for a new anointing of your spirit to come upon us. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that the love of God will begin to go viral again in our day and in our, in our, in our nation, in our world, in our neighborhood, and in our lives. Fill us again with your spirit. May many other people's lives be transformed by the power of your love through our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.